Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy, brought to you by The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guests because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I am truly and excited and grateful to introduce you to my guest and new friend, Devin Grogans. Welcome, Devin. Hey, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Dude, it's awesome. What's funny, uh, so I've been following you for the last year or so. I don't know who Devin is. Uh, I, I just mentioned to you, David Goggins. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are both uh, intense guys. <laughs> and so then Aaron Qualls mentioned you. I'm pretty sure it was Aaron. I think yeah. we talked about that. Yeah. But um, anyway, I, I'm super excited just to learn about you, who you are, uh, your fitness journey. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about a lot of stuff. So I've got lots of questions for you. But before we get started, let me just introduce who you are. And then that will bring up a lot of great conversation. All right. So so first and foremost, you're 35 years old. You're married to your wife, Jacqueline, for 10 years. Yep. You got two boys. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Uh, Grayson's eight and Camden is six. Yep. Uh, you and your wife met on a blind date. Uh, and you say that was a horrible, funny story. We're going to hear more about that, okay? Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to now confess what happened. Uh, you're a director of marketing at Salem Audiology Clinic. You're the owner of Next Level fi- uh, owner of Next Level Physiques and G4 Supplements, and you love helping people, networking, and connecting. Yeah, that sound about right. That's me in a nutshell. Okay, well, those are your words, so I was hoping that would be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Devin, let's dive in and hear a little bit about you. Tell me where you were born at. Where, where, where's home? I mean, where, was Salem always your home, or no? So I was born in Portland, uh, where I lived most of my life. Grew up there up until sophomore year of high school uh, freshman to sophomore year that yeah. summer we moved to vancouver washington so just over the bridge yeah. finished up school there and then ended up in salem playing baseball at chemeketa community college here in salem and that was kind of a funny story too because i had two offers to play baseball one was at chemeketa the other was to play baseball and football at college of the siskiyous mm-hmm. in weed california and i remember thinking College of Siskiyous, and as soon as I saw where that was at, I was like, "Nope, I'll go to Salem." I can't go to Weed, California. Is that what? Uh, well, and I looked up uh, just where it was at, oh. and it's you know pretty much near or on Mount Shasta, I believe, uh, and there's nothing around there. So I can't do that. Yeah, uh, and and I did a little bit of research, saw it was really big into like a party school, and that was never my intention when going mm. to college. Um, probably wouldn't even have went to college had it not been for baseball. Yeah which was a blessing. And so ended up at Chemeketa and playing baseball there for two years and getting my associates was offered to play at Western. Um, but at the time I was, I was ready to just move on in life and do something different. Gotcha. So you get your, your associates from Chemeketa and moved on. Correct. College athlete. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Do, do uh, most people know that about you? Cause most people see you as Devin, the, the guy that works out a lot. And, uh, so I guess that's a good question to yeah, so I, I I grew up playing baseball. I was actually a pretty out of shape kid. I mean, I was always into sports and always doing something. My my mom had my brother and I always doing something. Um, we really gravitated towards baseball, mm-hmm. and so I played baseball pretty much year round, with the exception of football in the fall. Uh, but I'd bounce between fall ball and and football, fall yeah. baseball and football, um, and that was kind of my first passion was was baseball and it wasn't until after college even then i played on some uh higher level traveling softball teams um and then once we had our youngest son grayson i had to find something that uh, didn't take up quite as much time but i could still really put a lot of effort into and uh that was kind of when the whole health thing kicked off for me got it got it so growing up you you found a passion doing sports What do you think led into the sports? What was family life like? Mom and dad, was your brother younger or older than you? So older brother, uh, about two years older than me. And initially growing up, it was just the three of us. Uh, My mom was a single mom. Uh, My dad lived in California, seldom talked to him. Hmm. Um, And so it was just the three of us. And we, we 
filled a lot of the time with sports and games around the house. I remember um, when she was teaching us to play catch and it would be rainy outside, she would have us toss oranges in the house back and forth to each other to soften them up and then we'd open them and eat them. Um, so we were always doing something active and she definitely did the best she could. I remember, um, cause we were not far from the airport. And so we would do like picnic dates and go to the airport, uh, right off Marine drive yeah. and play catch and just have sandwiches and watch the planes take off and go and little things like that, that didn't ever really cost much money, but left some great memories and, mm. um, just had some good times. Your mom seems like a really wise person, you know, especially with two boys, you know, that had to be tough in itself, but the way to channel that energy is, well, we're going to do sports kids and we're going to play baseball or play catch or anything to entertain, go to the airport. Mm -hmm. and that's probably pretty special. Very, very. W were you ever close to your dad at all? Did you ever get close to him at all? Or was it always a... We talk more now. Um, and it's funny and we... we I know you know Mike Peterson, and we were just talking. I know that guy. Yeah, and uh, we were talking the other day about how you never really see the steps that God lays out in front of you while you're walking the path mm -hmm. um, until you kind of get further along and look back and start kind of connecting the dots. But uh, growing up, I, I seldom saw him, very rarely talked to him. Um, it wasn't until probably... Oh, shortly after I met my wife, uh, her family would do a trip every year to Reno uh, with a bunch of family friends. And yeah. as one of the kids turned 21, it was kind of a celebratory thing. They all went to yeah. Reno and my dad at the time had kind of just popped up and happened to live in Reno. And so, so this is around age of 21. This was, yeah. Probably 21, yeah. 22. Okay. Um, prior to then I maybe talked to him once a year wow. at best. And I just remember, uh, reaching out to him, um, and just saying, Hey, I heard, you know, I know you're in Reno, I'm headed to Reno. And we ended up having, lunch while we were there. My wife got to meet him and we talk a little bit more often now, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny how that all comes full circle. Interesting. Okay. So back up a little bit. So you go through high school, you talk about, uh, your dad, you know, seeing him around age 21, but you're already married. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what age were you when you got married? Um, so, well, we were together at 21, married at 23. Okay. Um, yeah. 23. And so we've been married now for 10 years. Yeah. It's awesome. Very so cool. how'd you meet your wife? So funny story. Oh yeah. This is the, a yeah, blind date story. So, Here we go. So this is a good one. Uh, my best friend and her best friend were dating at the time. Um, funny enough, they're no longer together, both happily married kids, family doing well, but, uh, they wanted to set us up on a double date and it was a blind date. I had no idea who she was. Um, because of course, as guys, I'm asking my friend and he knows nothing about any of the details. <laughs> You're trusting him, man. Are you I'm, sure you want to do yeah, that? Yeah, I'm trusting him. And, uh, and so I'm like, well, what does she look like? I don't know. Like, okay. Um, what is she into? I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. We'll give it a go. Uh, so the night before, uh, got food poisoning. Woke up very sick, just wow. throwing up all day. They thought I was trying to get out of the date. And anybody that knows me, I'm probably one of the most outgoing people. Mm -hmm. I love to meet people. So yeah. I figure at best, like, we're going to go. We're going to have a good time. Whether it turns into anything or not, like, it's going to be fun. Absolutely not the case. Um, sicker than a dog. A friend of mine from work came over, brought me Gatorades. I think it was like Gatorades, Alka-Seltzer, and Pepto or something. And basically said drink this, take these, get up and go. Come on. I'm like, okay. So, so, uh, we head out to the date. It was a little putt putt golf spot in downtown Portland. I think it's still there actually, but it's, uh, it was glow in the dark. I think I said all of two words to her while we were there. Then we went to a little Thai food place and we're sitting at the table and I'm pouring sweat. You're still uh, dying, man. Oh, You're yeah. Still... I'm, I'm just trying to keep it together at this point. <laughs> and, and, and she looks at me, and I'll never forget. She looks at me, and she says, are you okay? And I just looked at her. I said, no, I'm I'm not. So I went to the bathroom. I threw up in the bathroom, wiped my face off, washed, washed my face, came back out, took maybe two bites of food. And on the way home, I just, like, had my head up against the window. I was directly behind my friend who was driving. She was next to me in the back passenger seat. And I think I just like waved to her as she got out of the car. And, <laughs> and she told me that when, 
we got home, she had messaged her friend and said that was the absolute worst date of my entire life. And she was contemplating like never even responding to anything if I reached out. And so I got her number from her friend yeah. and I reached out and I said, Hey, I, I apologize. I had food poisoning. Um, let me she make had it no idea. Well, uh, her, I knew you were sick, but yeah, they thought it was so much yeah. And they thought I was just trying to get out of the date. And so I, I reached out to her and said, Hey, let me, let me make it up to you and take you on a proper date. And, uh, the rest was history. The rest was history. What God ordains to happen is going to happen, man. It doesn't matter how that first date goes. Oh yeah. That's a good story. That's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So you guys get married around. 23. And where, where'd she grow up at? Uh, she actually grew up here. So she, funny enough, we were just down off of Glenbrook, okay. not far from where we're at right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, headed to a friend's house for a Christmas uh, Christmas party last weekend. And we drove right by the house she kind of grew up in. Hmm. So she was in Kaiser for a little bit. And then they moved out near Almsville, which is where we live now. Yeah. Uh, and grew up in the uh, Cascade School District. Too cool. Yeah. So she got to move. Well, stay here, I guess. You pretty much really moved and came uh, down here. Oh, what was your degree at Shemekado? You or what were you attempting to get into? Communications, actually. So okay. when I was in high school, I I hated school. I always I was never a fan because I felt like I didn't learn like other people yeah. learned. I'm a very hands-on person, mm-hmm. and so for me to just open a book and read and try and conceptualize things is very hard for me to do if i can see it visually being done um which it's crazy now like the use of youtube and things like that that there really should be no lack of knowledge um but growing up we didn't have that and so everything was just read the book and then apply the skills and application is the key yeah and i i didn't learn like that and so i always just dislike school but i really enjoyed um art uh, I was always very creative. And so anything that I could do hands-on, um, I enjoyed. And so communications, uh, working, interacting with people, um, was something that always just kind of gravitated towards. Mm. And my freshman year, as mentioned, I went to Benson in, in Portland and it was a trade school and it was something similar to, I think it's, is it SeaTech that's here? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's kind of similar to that, but they had it in the school. So your freshman year, you do a little bit of everything from woodworking to electronics, mm-hmm. to all that. And part of uh, one of those courses was communications, PR and relations. And I, I just remember, I absolutely loved that. Mm-hmm. And when I went to, you know, throughout high school, anything I could gravitate towards communications and networking, interacting with people I, I really loved. And going to Chemeketa, I actually went initially for digital photography. Okay. And then I quickly found out at the time that entrepreneurship was not really a thing then. Uh-huh. And if you weren't in with a high level company, um, trying to run your own photography business at the time was very difficult. I didn't know anything about business. So I said, okay, well, let's shift gears. And I went with communications. Hmm. Good choice, man. It, it turned out to be. It's one of the biggest challenges we all have is learning how to communicate effectively, mm-hmm. especially, especially being married, right? Oh, yes. It's huge. <laughs> Big, Probably biggest part of any relationship. Totally. Totally. Okay. So you marry your wife mm-hmm. and you guys have two boys. Yep. A uh, couple things. I want to learn kind of what how, how you're raising your boys. That's really important to, yeah. as a man's man you are mm-hmm. uh you love your wife and you love your boys and how, how you lead them what legacy are you teaching them and what and that you want to leave them as well as you as you raise them and are you guys done having kids um med- I, know, I know it's heavy man <laughs> yeah so so medically yes um another funny story about three years ago four years ago handful of years ago uh valentine's day rolls around she says hey happy valentine's day i scheduled your vasectomy Oh, oh, okay. Thanks. Um, why Valentine's day? Oh, it was the only day they had. Okay. Um, we, we've talked adoption. Um, she would love to have a girl. Mm. Um, I tell her that regardless, if we didn't adopt, we'd probably just end up with a ton of boys. Everybody else in my family is all girls. Um, they all have had girls. And so we have been the only, uh, aside from my oldest brother, um, uh, to have boys, but as far as legacy and things like that, um, 
we're very big on foundational aspects of who we are. And mm -hmm. so one of the things I always tell my boys is Grogan's never lie. Um, anytime we can help somebody, we can. And we always do the right thing, even if that means that, you know, there's a consequence for it. And so those are the three things that I really try to instill in them uh, alongside, obviously, our our faith. So we are a household where the boys know it, that God comes first, then mom and dad, and then the kids. And it's always in that order. And so there's times where they might have some pushback. Um, but, you know, we just really make sure that that's the anchor and and that's the foundation of who we are. That's awesome. And man, you know, it's interesting when I, cause I, I like meeting with guys mm -hmm. and uh, mentoring, coaching, whatever. But one of the questions I always ask is, hey, what's the priorities in your life? And it's always interesting to me because everybody has their own list of priorities. Mm -hmm. And uh, oftentimes, like, yeah, definitely my kids. And my question is always, well, how does your wife feel about that? Right? Mm -hmm. Because I think priority wise, mine are exactly like yours from the, it has to be God. Cause if God be. is not number one, then everything else is last. Yep. So God's number one, you and your wife are second boys. We'll get to you. Mm -hmm. tight. And really the facts are your boys love seeing you love your wife the way you do mm -hmm. and that your priorities are exactly that way. If more families would figure out the priority, cause what happens, what I notice, Hey, my kids are the priority. Like, okay. How's your wife feel about that? Kids grow up and move away. Yep. And then who do you have? I don't really know because we haven't been pursuing that relationship. Yep. What's your thoughts on that? Is that is, how did you come to that conclusion? Because your mom and dad, were were they married? Were they? Uh... My mom remarried when I was about nine. Okay. And uh, she'd been married to my father since who just passed uh, two years ago, August. Okay. Um, but they... They weren't as devout, I would say. Um, we went to church growing up, and so that was something that was instilled in me at a young age. Um, my stepdad, who I consider my dad, yeah. uh, he was actually Buddhist shortly before he and my mom met. Mm. Um, but towards the later years in life, uh, he came to church with us a couple of times, and my oldest brother. Um, and it it's nice to kind of see that his thought had changed prior to him, you know, leaving the earth. Yeah. Um, and I remember him even talking, having some really good conversations with a pastor of mine before I'll never forget. I think it was an Easter service. We invited them to, and he came and I don't remember exactly what the sermon was on, but afterwards he came up and he said, did you know I was going to be here? And the pastor said, I had no idea why he said, I felt like you were just talking directly to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, God speaks to those when we least expect it a lot of times. And I think that was something that definitely opened up, um, not only his heart, but his mind to yeah. pursue the Lord a little bit more. But to answer your question, as far as how I came to that, when I met my wife, I knew growing up, there were two things that I wanted in a, in a woman and specifically in my wife. One was somebody that looked like me. Um, I grew up in Clackamas, Oregon, uh, shortly before moving to Portland. Um, and everybody there didn't look like me. I, I was Brown. My brother was Brown. There was maybe three other kids that were Brown and that was it. And so I knew growing up, like, I want to be with somebody that looks like me. And I found that, uh, my wife is mixed just like I am. And the second part to that was I want somebody that is in pursuit of God, because that is an anchor. Like we mentioned without that, there's, you know, there's no stronghold. There's nothing else tying your life to anything. And I found that too. And so we knew prior to having kids, okay, what, what are the foundations of our family going to be when, when we do start? And it was clearly God comes first and then us and then our children. And that was something from before we even decided to have kids that we had a conversation about several times um, and knew that that was the direction that we were going to take our family. Hmm. Awesome. You said your, was it your stepdad that passed away, but yeah. is your biological dad still alive? Yes. Gotcha. When you unpack your faith, because you're, you're a godly guy, mm -hmm. what does that mean when you, I believe in God, uh, I'm just curious, how, how do you unpack what you believe? When somebody says, hey, they see Devin, I know what Devin believes. How, how would you unpack that? Yeah, that's a tough question. 
Um, I mean, I believe that Jesus died for us, that, uh, that he had no sin, um, and that he carries our burdens and that through him, all things are possible. And there's something that I've kind of over the last few years really lived by. And it was something that a former pastor of mine would say often. And that is to not stress over things that you have no control over because so long as you can control the possible, God will take care of the impossible. Mm -hmm. And if I were to unpack my faith in, in any one short sentence, it would be that. Wow. That's powerful. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, it, it helps because a lot of people will have this thought of, I believe in God, universe, whatever. Mm -hmm. But really, when you go to scripture and you unpack scripture, is uh, well, God being the father, then if we don't know about Jesus, the one who paid for the, the sin, who died, was buried and rose again, there's no, would you say there's no salvation in if, if there's no belief in that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. How often do you think you unpack your faith? Do you just live it out? Do you share it? How does Devin live out his faith in the world and the community that you live in? Yeah, I definitely try to live it out. I think that um, as a Christian man, um, well, I'll back up. I think Christians in general get not a bad rap, but are, are kind of always held under the thumb of, oh, you do this. So, you know, what kind of Christian are you? Or, oh, you know, I didn't know, which actually I hear quite a bit. Oh, you're Christian. I didn't know you could do that or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, but pretty, pretty frequently, um, actually once every other week I meet with my pastor and we dive into a lot of different aspects. Lately, we've been going through apologetics yeah. just because I feel like having a better understanding on how to defend the faith mm. will give me a better understanding of the faith in general. So that's something that we've been going through. We went through kind of a family uh, guidance, I guess you could say era, uh, last year where really good book, um, Family Driven Faith. I highly recommend it to anybody. But it talks to your point earlier about prioritizing children beyond the faith and what that leads to. Um, a lot of times, you know, p parents uh, will drop their kids off and just kind of let the church or hope that the church is the one instilling the majority of the values when really all of it starts at home. Um, you know, prioritizing events and packing your schedule with things that I don't want to say aren't godly, but aren't necessarily correlated to the church. And it's okay to, you know, have the games and the tournaments and the things like that. But when it becomes more of a priority than what's being instilled in your kids, then it becomes, you know, then it becomes an issue. And that's actually a really good book. I believe it's by Vody Bauckham. Um, and so we go through a lot of different things like that. Yeah. Uh, but as far as unpacking my faith, uh, that's something that I'm still working on mm -hmm. and I've been fortunate enough to have a mentor in my pastor to be able to sit down and go through a lot of these different life areas with, and, and kind of unpack it piece by piece. Like, what does it mean to be a father in the eyes of God? What does it mean to lead a family in the eyes of God? And so we kind of go through some different segments, um, and right now it's been, or as of late, it's been apologetics. Steve, what, I think what I'm learning about you, Devin, is, I mean, I see you on Instagram and Facebook, and I know you work out, and mm -hmm. you're, you're definitely all in kind of guy. But I notice that you're not just a student of the physique, you know, being physically fit, but your, your faith and the way you pursue God and the mentorship. Uh, who's your pastor, by the way? Uh, Pastor Scott Nelson with Morningstar. Yeah. Um, out South. Yeah. There you go, man. Mm -hmm. Well, that iron sharpens iron, man. is pretty big stuff. Definitely. Good for you, dude. Well, hey, let's, let's talk about, uh, you know, maybe your career, what you do for your full-time job. Sure. But I really want to get into the, what you do to help inspire people. Probably, do you, would you say you coach more men on the physical realm or is it men and women you're coaching? It's both. I, right now, I actually have a good blend of both. Okay. Um, as far as my regular nine to five, we'll yeah. start there. Yeah. And actually, it's more like a 630 to 230. Okay. Um, I love it, but it's with Salem Audiology Clinic. Yeah. So hearing aids and different sorts of hearing issues that we deal with. And I've learned a ton over the last couple of years. Yeah. And you want to talk about a God story. There's there's one there, too. Um I don't know if we have time, but in unpack, man, we get perfect. Time. So I was with uh, a really good friend of mine 
at a former large marketing company and we were both making great money close to six figures um and he was branching off to start his own business and he wanted me to come with him he said hey i can handle all the back-end stuff i can do the websites the development he said i need a face of the company and i really feel like that's you and so i talked to my wife and we prayed about it and he had sent me some numbers from a business group that he was working with and everything on paper looked phenomenal. They, I mean, they had it broken down to if you do 50% of what you're doing now, um, you know, you'll take a $20,000 loss the first year, but then you'll make that back by, you know, three times the next year and you'll be over what you're making. And so everything I couldn't lose. Um, well, I, I lost $80,000 $80,000 the first year working there. I made $22,000. Yeah. Um, Come on, man. Yeah. So I chalked that up to a learning experience. Um, some people pay for college. I paid for a crash course in entrepreneurship and starting it. your own business. Um, I've learned what not to do. I've learned what works. Uh, but what happened was uh, we we're about two and a half years in and the money just wasn't there, which, by the way, the company is doing great now. Um but I was just at a position where we had just had our second child um, and we just needed money. We we weren't in a position, had I not had kids, I could have rode it out with them a little bit longer yeah. and you know things would have been great, but that was not the case. So I was praying over it, uh, looking for a couple of different jobs. I reached out to some places locally, some places remotely, and I remember sending a, uh, I remember sending a resume to uh, Salem Audiology Clinic through Indeed, and that was on a Monday. Was this like during COVID? Was this just a couple this, years? So this was right before COVID. Right before COVID. Okay. Yeah. So right before COVID, this was like 2019. Okay. Um, I sent it to them on a Monday. They sent me an email back Tuesday saying, we would love to have you give us a call and schedule a time for an interview. I saw that probably Tuesday night. So Wednesday morning, I was headed to a local networking organization that I would go to all the time. And on the way back, I was thinking, oh, well, I passed right by their office on my way home. So I'll just pop in, figured I'd pop in, introduce myself, talk to them in person rather than call them, set up a time for an interview. I show up and both the owners are there. It's ran by a brother and sister whose parents uh, they took over from. And I spoke to Leslie, who was uh, one of the owners. And I said, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself in person. My name's Devin. Um, I know you guys said call, but I'm a face-to-face person. And she said, well, you couldn't have perfect, more perfect timing. They have three locations. Scott, who is the other owner, bounces from location to location. And she said, he's here right now with about a half hour block open in his schedule. Do you want to interview right now? Sure. (laughs) And I met with them um, and they offered me the position the next day. And it was just, Mm -hmm. it was the craziest, like we, like we were kind of talking about at the beginning, you never see those steps until you look back and it's been an amazing place to work. Um, It is a family run organization that treats people like family and they have been nothing but great, not Mm -hmm. only in how they run their business, uh, but with how they treat their employees. And so that's a fun job. That is definitely communication, marketing, PR. So I handle all of the events. Um, if we go to events, golf tournaments, things like that, um, all of the networking, our website, pretty much anything that is designed to talk about, teach people or bring people to us Mm. with the business. So, yeah. Would you say, I always love this question. Would you say you're Extroverted or introverted? I I am an extrovert. Okay. I would have gathered that. I mean, (laughs) I think to really be in marketing, the face of a company, Mm -hmm. being out there is you got to have some extrovert in you. doesn't mean you have to be, but it definitely helps out because hopefully that fuels you and you keep doing it. Yeah. I I love meeting people. You never know who you're going to meet at an event, what could spark from it, the opportunities, or even just chances to connect and grow with somebody. It's like this morning, you know, until this morning, we've never physically saw each other in yeah. person ever. We shook hands for the first time this morning. Uh-huh. So I like that though. I'm, I'm on board with that. I think that's cool. I love to show up and see what God has in mind. Yeah. Who, who am I going to meet today? Mm-hmm. You know? So today it was you, Devin. So appreciate you doing this, but yeah. uh, let's dive in a little bit. Cause uh, what I'm most impressed with, not to say I'm impressed with a, a human being, <laughs> but I am impressed with the discipline behind you as a guy, as a man, you know, a faith Faith man, a guy who believes in God and loves his wife and kids and 
but the whole, you know, getting in shape, uh, you said before we got the podcast was, you know, a lot of people just want to, you know, hop into, you know, weightlifting for three months, six months, nine months and think they're going to have a six pack ab and gain 30 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's not true. So maybe unpack that a little bit, you know, I want to have arms like you and shoulders <laughs> like you and, uh, and I'm an older guy. So I'm like 20 years older than you. How does a guy like me do that? How does anybody do that? Yeah. So, uh, it's more than, I mean, discipline's obviously an important factor to it. Um, the biggest thing, and this is one thing that I, I hammer into a lot of my clients is consistency. And that was something that I lacked growing up. Um, and a lot of people I find do the same thing. And, and that is you'll go after it for one or two months and then you're not seeing the results that you're expecting. So then you talk yourself out of continuing. Hmm. And that was, that was always me growing up, uh, again, played sports a lot. I was, I was healthy, but I was out of shape in the sense of, I just, I never really ate right. Nutrition was not an important part of our life growing up. And so you can't outwork a bad diet, uh, which is a quote that I love. I gotta Uh, get that one, man. Yeah. Because it's, it, you can pack weight on much easier than you can take weight off. And so for me, I just, my eating was never right. And I would do all the things I thought were right lifting and running, but I wasn't seeing the results. And so I would go really hard for a month or two months and it would just be so discouraging because I would think exactly what you said. Well, by now I should have six pack abs. I should be, you know, beach model ready. And it wasn't until I finally just said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to give it six months. I'm going to give it six months of consistent effort mm-hmm. in working out and eating. And I'm going to see what happens. And this was right around the time, uh, this was actually leading up to our wedding. And I think I lost about 35 pounds, did it all on my own. And it was just simply tracking the food that I ate, um, being mindful. And I didn't cut everything out. Um, but it was just being smart in what I did. If I went to an event and there were drinks there and I was never somebody that was a really big drinker, Mm -hmm. but instead of having three or four beers or, you know, multiple drinks, it was, I would always limit myself to two drinks and it didn't matter what that was. Didn't matter if that was a mixed drink and a beer, two beers, two mixed drinks, whatever it looked like, that was it. And so just having little things like that, where I was still able to go and not really feel like I was excluding things out of my life, but just monitoring more of what I did and then prioritizing whole foods. Um, after about six months, right before my wife and I got married, I was probably in the best shape of my life up to that point. Um, but that's the number one thing that I try to tell everybody is consistency is key. It's not what you do some of the time. It's what you do most of the time. It's a big word, man. In fact, I've heard from many coaches and mentors is the key. It's always this one word consistency. Mm-hmm. So, so how long, so you've been working out since you 21, 22, 23, before you got married at yeah. 23, you're getting in shape. You're now 35. Mm-hmm. You look like you're pretty solid. Um, you're coaching men and women. Yep. Um, what's the greatest struggle out there that people have? I, I know it's consistency. Is it, the bad diet, the lack of discipline, is it the, I don't really feel like going to the gym. What is it? Is it all three? Is it more? Is it less? Funny enough, it's um, it's not knowing what to do. There's so much information that can be found. And I was just listening to uh, to a podcast the other day and somebody had called in. They were looking for nutritional advice and they said, I, I just watched this YouTube video and it was, you know, the, the eight best things to eat for fat loss. And then the next video that popped up was the five worst things to eat for fat loss. And it had most of the same things. So it's, you know, what do you, what do you take from what is, what is factual, what works? Um, and so I think the biggest thing is people just, they don't know what to do. And because of that, they spin their wheels or they do nothing because it's analysis or paralysis by analysis. I, I would just say on that, with that, because I'm the same guy watching these videos and, you know, I want to lose weight, want to gain muscle. You know, one guy says eat five eggs in the morning right? and someone else says, no, for your age, you need to fast for 24 hours, you know, three times a week. And the next one, you know, all this contradiction. So there's consistency, there's contradiction. And then there's confusion. Exactly. 
I don't see to believe here. I'm confused if I'm being on. I'm one of those guys that <laughs> I go, because, hey, I'm on. I got it. And then a week later, I'm on to some other trick because mm-hmm. I don't know what it is uh, that actually works. Yep. And that's the hard part. That's That's the really... That's probably what frustrates me the most in the health and fitness industry is there's so many people out there that can do good for others. And instead of saying that, hey, this is one way to do it, they interpret it or they they position it, I should say, as this is the only way to do it. And there's so many. I mean, I've done you name it. I've done it. I've done keto. I've done intermittent fasting. I I'm, will almost never ask a client to do something I have not done before. Right. So I have a better understanding of how it works and I've done it all. And it's all had similar results in what I'm looking to do. It's just not everybody fits a particular mold. Yeah. And so for somebody to hear, you know, the only way you can do this is by fasting. Well, if you're fasting, but then when you have your one or two, maybe even three meals and that causes binge eating, then is that really that healthy? (laughs) Yeah. You know, your, your quote on Facebook, uh, you say changing lives through better nutrition and fitness habits by optimizing metabolic function. Mm -hmm. So as a 55 year old, I'm like, why well, I, I can see where working out really benefits you. You still have metabolism, you have testosterone. It's working for you, but when you get over fifty, all that <laughs> gets reduced by a little bit. So, well, maybe it doesn't work for me what you're doing. So, I would say convince me, maybe convince your audience a little bit. Yeah. What what the myth is here? What's the what's the lie? Like, is that true, or is it just we're all just confused? I, th- I think the biggest thing, uh, the biggest myth that I come across is I have a broken metabolism in short. Uh, I don't know how many people I've worked with, females especially, and I, I'll touch on why that is uh, here in a minute. But mm. the overarching theme with the majority of my lifestyle clients, because I, I also work with clients that compete and do other things. Um, but the overarching theme for my general population clientele is I have a broken metabolism. And the fact is that it's not broken. It's just not being utilized the way it should. Um, we are a society that's been told, and this is where the, the women as woman aspect comes in because it's sadly even more so for women that we're told we need to eat less and just do more and that will solve our problem. Um, but that's not always the case. Mm. If, if you're getting ready to drive your car across country, are you going to put a quarter tank of gas in it? Like you need to at least Mm. make sure that your body's fueled enough for the energy that you're doing. So if you're going into the gym and, you know, jumping on the treadmill, um, not fueling your body, not lifting weights, um, you're not going to see the results that you want to see. And there's a number of reasons why, but the, the biggest thing is not fueling their body properly. I would say over 75% of my clients, when they come to me within the first two weeks are usually complaining about the amount of food that they're eating yet starting to lose weight. That just doesn't, you know, I seems like an oxymoron or a contradiction. Mm -hmm. And, and what are your, you know, the word, uh, metabolic function, you know, here's a question. So if I'm getting ready to go work out, maybe I'm doing weights. I'm not doing cardio. I don't know if you should ever do cardio alone. Maybe always mix it with waste. You can tell me about that. But do I eat before or do I fast up until I go work out so I can burn all the excess glucose out of my blood system? What does, I mean, that can be confusing. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing, and this is, again, what I tell, a lot of my clients are coming at me from different points. But what it really boils down to is I, at the base of what I do with a lot of my clients is, one prioritize protein if you're not tracking mm. any of your food the only thing i want you to track is your protein okay um minimum 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight okay 0.8 i get that so unpack a little bit more of the protein is it uh how many grams so that's let's say 100 or 200 pound person is at 180 grams of be about a, yeah 0.8 so you'd be what about 160 60? yeah 160 there and, you go. and that and that would be minimum 0.8 to, to one gram so i usually depending on the person um 
will will fit right somewhere in there. And sometimes I'll even just give them a range. Try and range between 160 200 grams of protein. That that's way, a lot of protein, by the way. Who, if you've never, because like drinking a gallon of water, if you drink 30 or 16 ounces uh, twice a day, yeah. Now you're drinking a gallon. Protein can be the same. It challenge. can be, and, and depending on where they're at, we don't always jump them straight up to that. Sometimes it's working into it okay. because uh, your digestive tract will probably be an emotional wreck if you go from yeah, yeah. a little bit of nothing to a whole lot of protein. Um, I know Allie was on your show not too long yeah, ago, and, yeah. and that's a, a big thing she talks about. Yeah. Um, good friend of mine too. She she definitely knows her stuff, but uh, definitely start with protein. Track that. That's what I have a lot of my clients do. If we track nothing else at all, and then outside of that, prioritize whole foods. Um, minimize process highly processed foods. Stick to whole foods. It's you'd be surprised how hard it is to overeat when your carbohydrate sources, sweet potatoes and berries. Um, even white rice, those sorts of things. Like it's very hard to overeat, um, minimally processed, you know, whole food options. But, yeah. um, so that's kind of where we start as far as your workout goes. If, if the goal is to build muscle, even burn fat, I always recommend eating prior to your workout, okay. um, making sure that you have some form of fuel in your yeah. body, um, for a couple of reasons, but the most simple is it's going to give you more energy. Mm -hmm. Um, you take somebody and you ask them to go work out fasted. Now, if it's something you do often, then your body is probably adapted to that yeah. and, and you don't have a problem with it. But even giving that same person, you know, a protein shake and, and an apple prior to, you know, an hour before their workout, they're yeah. probably going to see a difference. Yeah. More in, energy in, at the gym. Exactly. Okay. Which means you're going to be able to work harder, yeah. which will allow you to just kind of go further and, and do more. About an hour before working out? I Is it like swimming? Or you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't wait an hour, then the weights automatically fall on top of you and you can't get them off. Okay, um, yeah, exactly. I like about 90 minutes. Okay, um, give the food enough time to... Yeah, and the reason being is... Your body is is always going to prioritize one thing over another. And if you still have food in your stomach, that means you have blood that's going to your stomach trying to digest that uh, rather than being pumped out to the muscles trying to help uh, lift. That's, and when you unpack it that way, I mean, I, it totally makes sense, mm -hmm. but I don't think that way. Like, oh, yeah, I guess, I, yeah. I need blood to go out to the extremities exactly to build the muscle. Yep, carry the nutrients. Carry the nutrients, yeah. the protein. Mm -hmm. if, if nothing's getting to the muscle, then it can't grow. Exactly. This is, this is so simple yet. We and, don't and, think that's, about that. and that's the thing. Yeah. A lot of it is very simple, but when, when people talk about a lot of these topics, they try to make it very high level so they can seem like they're in a better position or that they're, yeah. you know, a more reputable person than they are. But when you dumb a lot of it down, it, a lot of it really just makes sense. Wow. Would you say coaching people is your passion like uh, you? A hundred percent. I, I love helping people. I, yeah. and I, uh, I remember having a conversation with my pastor about a year ago and we were talking about something and, and he actually was a, a client of mine prior to us going to the, that's how we ended up at the church. Um, and it was great cause there would be a couple of sessions where mm -hmm. he would come late and didn't even have his stuff. And he'd say, Hey, I'll still pay you for this session. I'm like, Hey, while you're here, like, can we sit down and go over a couple of things that you had mentioned on Sunday that yeah. I had some questions on? So we, we definitely got something out of each other, but, um, I'll never forget. It was about a year ago. He said, it must be nice knowing your purpose on earth. Hmm. And I, and I remember looking at him and being like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, the amount of joy that I can see you get from helping people, regardless of what that form is is it, it, it makes me so happy to see that. And I never thought about that, but that is exactly what I love doing the most. And that's, um, teaching, growing, mentoring, just helping people get from where they want to be. And when I thought about it, I said that, that makes sense. Cause that's what marketing is. I, prior to just working for Salem audiology clinic, mm -hmm. I was marketing for other businesses and to, to see a business, one of which was a friend of mine, who was an HVAC company out of Portland. And when we started working with them, they had two vans and a shop that wasn't much bigger than this room we're in right now. Right. And uh, now they're one of the larger HVAC companies in Portland and Southern Washington, 
with multiple locations, giant warehouse, a whole fleet of vans. And just knowing that I had a small part in being able to help that happen, like mm. that's what I live for. The joy. <clears throat> what you said though, and you said Pastor Scott recognizing you, the joy that you get from serving people, and you may not even recognize it just oozes out of you. From my perspective, let's say I want to hire you to coach me. Mm-hmm. I'm actually afraid. Like, I mean, you're you're well put together, you've been doing it. I'm actually intimidated. And I wonder how many people are actually intimidated. Like, I don't think I want to hire Devin because I'm scared to death. And you're like, no, I just want to help you because I know you do. Mm-hmm. I know your heart. Yet, from our perspective, it's like, we're scared to death to be accountable. Oh, no, what do I have to change? Mm-hmm. How do you get people, how would you get me or any anybody listening to you go, you know what, I'm going to call Devin. What would that look like? Yeah, so the biggest thing is is steps. There's a lot of coaches out there that are very rigid in how they interact with people, and that's okay. Um, some people have a one-size-fits-all approach, and they will go out and find the clients that fit them. And yeah. if a client doesn't, then so be it for him. Um, I'm somebody who I meet people where they're at. I ask them about their lives. What are you willing, you know, how, how ready are you for change? What do you find most difficult about change? And then we work backwards in finding a plan that works for you. I have some people that flat out need to be rigid. Um, when I write their meal plan out, it's Meal one, you're going to eat this much, specifically amount of protein, these types of options, this much carbs, this much fats. I have other people that can't even fathom having such a rigid, uh, you know, eating schedule or yeah. eating plan. And then it just becomes, okay, well, for the first few weeks, as I mentioned, all I want you to do is track your protein. Just track your protein, eat anything else as far as carbohydrates, fats, so long as it's a whole food option and just eat until you're satisfied. I don't want you to be Not overly full. full. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To the point where you could- I pro- thought I was supposed to eat until I'm full. I thought that was, that was the deal. I'm you, joking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you want to you eat to the point where you could probably still eat a little bit more, but, but you're content. And that's the word that I use a lot. So mm-hmm. eat until you're content, prioritizing protein, because again, you're going to find that it's very hard to overeat when you prioritize protein. Yeah. A, it's the most satiating macro. Totally. So it fills you up the most. It takes that's your, the magic right there. It is. And that's that's what it's all about. And so we we find foods. I have some people that have large appetites. Okay, well, we're going to add a little bit more fibrous foods into your meal plan. Things like spinach, things like broccoli. Um, so long as your digestion can handle it, then we're going to add these fillers because now you're eating more volume. Mm. So you're, you're able to eat more calorically. It's not as dense, but you're being full. So you're being satisfied or content. And so I really just work with each individual person on where they're at. Some people need that guidance of here is a very rigid plan. Um, other people who are concerned about having to be so rigid, we just start off with a base and the base is track your protein, eat whole foods, eat your protein first, fill in the rest until you're content. Simple. Very. Okay. Let's say I was going to say, Devin, I want to be rigid. I want you to be rigid. I want to trim down. I mm-hmm. want to gain muscle and trim down because I got a little extra belly fat. Don't tell anybody. Secret safe. Secret safe with you. Okay, good. Thank God. What would a perfect meal, because I think- you know, if you're going to drink a gallon of water, have you mm-hmm. ever done 75 hard before? I'm pretty sure you probably have. Or I you, have. So funny enough, I have not. You, well, you, you live 75 hard, so you got your own program, bro. <laughs> but pretty the point close. is, if, if you're going to drink a gallon of water, you don't wait till 8 o'clock at night and go, hey, let me just chug that down. Mm-hmm. Protein, you know, I heard maybe literally one year ago, like, you need to eat your body weight in ounces of protein, something like that. Mm-hmm. A little less, a little more than what you're saying, but I like your style a little bit better. I don't think I'd ever heard that up until about a year ago. So if I wait till I eat one meal a day, OMAD is mm-hmm. one meal a day. You can't do that. So give me some, break down the the myth of that OMAD, break down what a meal would look like for a typical person who has, we all have the same goal really. Well, just, we want to look good, feel good. Yeah. Gain a little muscle, lose a little bit of weight and just feel good. What's that look like in a day? Is, it, is there breakfast or do we skip breakfast and go to lunch? No. So all of my clients, we prioritize all. breakfast, all of them. I even, ju- I just had a client who said, I don't normally eat until noon cause I'm not hungry until then. I said, well, how long have you been doing that? About two years now. 
So that's because your body's adapted to it. I can promise you, we start adding breakfast in. You want breakfast? You're going to get hungry. Um, to the point with the water, uh, and I'll give you a really quick tip <laughs> that I've found works very well for anybody struggling to get water. Within the first 30 minutes of waking up, drink 16 to 24 ounces of water. Seems hard. And if it is for you, start with eight ounces, build your way up. But I can promise you, within the first half hour, you drink 24 ounces of water. A, you've almost got a liter down. So you're a fraction, you know, even if you do only get two or three more in, you've at least hit close to a half gallon on the day instead of just two bottles of water. Um, but I liken it to, you said you fasted, right? Yeah. So if you've ever gone and you fasted, it's kind of rough at the beginning. And then at the end, uh, you know, you can make it a whole day or yeah. whatever your window is 18 hours or, but have you ever had breakfast during your fat? Like maybe your schedule takes you out to breakfast with somebody. I know for me, when I did that, if I would eat in the morning, I was exponentially hungrier throughout the rest of the day. Yep. I'm going to eat more because I've just told my body that, Hey, here's food. And now it's thinking, okay, when, when are we eating again? Okay. Um, so water and, and protein is the same way. So a lot of my clients that struggle with protein, I have them wake up and within the first 30 minutes, I have them either drink a shake, um, 25 grams of protein or eat some sort of easy to digest meal with about 20 to 30 grams of protein in it. Um, that works very well. A uh, typical meal would look something like, depending on the person, it all varies. Everything I build out is, is for the individual. But if it was for somebody like you and our goal was to build muscle, um, it looks something like 35 to 40 grams of protein, most likely each meal, um, 30 to 40 grams of carbs, and anywhere from trace fats, depending on what our protein source is. So if we're eating something like chicken thighs or uh, red meat, something that's a little bit fattier, then we might not add fats to that meal. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's a leaner cut, chicken, turkey, uh, then we'll probably do eight to 12 grams of fats added in with the carbs and the protein. And that's for a couple of different reasons. One is it's a, it's a balanced meal. Okay. You have your proteins, your carbs, your fats. Um, but it's also going to help slow digestion and level out blood sugar levels. Ah, so that the fats and the protein together are going to slow digestion and help bring down. If we're doing something like white rice, um, it'll help bring down that insulin spike a little bit and level it out a little bit. So you're not so, um, spiked and then drop. Ex explain that. How does, uh, you know, the blood sugar hold, you know, how would rice paired with the protein bring down the, the blood sugar. Right. So when you take something that's high glycemic, so like white rice, yeah. um, pretty high glycemic, and then you pair it with something that's low glycemic, it could even be a fibrous food like broccoli, kale, yeah. asparagus. Um, they kind of offset each other. So whereas if you were to just eat white rice on its own, you, yeah, you're going to get a really strong blood sugar spike. But then when you pair it with a fat and a protein, that's going to help bring it back down and, and level that out a little bit. So it's less of a spike and it's more of a consistent rise over time. And you need that carbohydrate with, to give you the energy. That's the energy piece, right? Yep. That's the fuel. So, yeah. So for most of my clients that work out in the afternoon, I like to backload their carbs. And essentially all that means is we keep less carbs at the beginning of the day and we pair a lot of their carb meals towards their, around their workout. So if, myself um it's a little bit different right now but typically if i were to work out which i do at 2 33 o'clock my first meal generally would have little to no carbs in it and the reason being is a protein fat meal is going to keep me satiated for longer you're talking about your first meal being the morning early yeah. morning the 30 minutes within waking up so sorry so probably beyond that i'll have my i'll wake up i'll have my protein protein shake and then my first what i would call like real meal would probably be a, a protein fat meal uh, with minimal carbs, just because it's going to help for mental clarity. Yeah. Um, but then it's also going to help keep me satiated a lot longer. And as we get closer, then I'll start pairing more of those meals with carbohydrates. Yeah. That's just one way to do it. Um, well, that makes sense because you need energy for the workout. But if we eat carbs early in the morning, man, 
it just negates that potential spike and drop, even if it's, you know, something like oats. Um, but again, it all varies on the person. If I have somebody who's very active throughout the day, construction work, they're getting carbs all throughout their meal sure, because they're burning that all day long. If it's somebody where it's more desk job, a uh, little bit more sedentary position, then we're probably going to push the bulk of their carbohydrates around their meal or excuse me, around their workout. Hmm. Some people say, you know, again, these are what I call gurus on the internet. You know, I like protein shakes, by the way. I, I agree with you. A lot of, a lot of us, or so, some say that, well, that's not a real protein. It's not a real whole food. You shouldn't just be taking protein powder and, and getting your protein that way. That's not what you're saying though. No, it's, it's a supplementation. Again, it's, it's easy for me. Totally. I, I do the shake. I recommend it to a lot. Nine times out of 10, when you're waking up, the last thing you want to do is eat something immediately. So we'll cook up five eggs. Right. And, yeah. I, mean, I really, I do it when I, when I'm not fasting, but I don't really want to, yeah. I have to think about the night before. Okay. Here's what, exactly. here's what I'm going to do. And so it's, it's exactly what it's meant to be, which is a supplement. It's supplementing the need to cook. It's supplementing waking up and immediately eating something that you might not want to eat. Um, I usually mix it with 24 ounces of water. I'll mix my, I have a powdered digestive enzyme that I use a greens mix and I take my vitamins. I just kind of sip on it and it takes me probably 20 minutes to drink it down. And then I'll move a little bit, whether it's yoga, which I've been getting into a lot lately, uh, going on a quick walk. And then I have my coffee. So I prolong my coffee for my first hour of waking up. Um, but to your point with the protein shakes, it's, it's just made to supplement. I always okay. tell my clients, if you can prioritize a whole food option, do it. If it's more convenient and it's the difference between getting that food in you and not, then do a shake. I like that. Yeah. yeah. This is huge, Devin. Yeah. You really help break down, because I think we're all confused on that. And there's so many people telling different stories. I really like to follow people who actually have the body that I'm actually looking to get, because that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Right. Uh, if somebody doesn't have what I want, then that doesn't line up with me. I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't actually believe them. Yeah. Well, it's tough because a lot of those influencers and, and what people don't realize is, Hey, that's their job. Like they, they don't have a nine to their nine to five is going to the gym, eating consistently and making videos about it. Yeah. It's not realistic. Um, if you see or know somebody that has a body like that, that's not an influencer, they're probably very rigid in their eating. And then the question goes back to the one you asked earlier, do I want to do that? And if the answer is you don't want to track every single thing you put in your body, then the answer is no. But if you want to be healthy, you want to have a better physique than what you have now, then there's a few very simple principles, mm. um, consistency being one of them, um, to follow. Yeah. Man, you impact a lot today. I feel like we did. <laughs> this is good. This is really good. Hey, we're going to wrap up though, but uh, Devin's been amazing. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have you back on the podcast in about six to. months just to hear where you're at, see who you're coaching, who you're uh, impacting, yeah. specifically your wife and your kids. That's always what's most important as a man. How do people reach out to you and connect with you? What's your favorite uh, way that people would, would do that? Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, dgrow39, so dgrogans39, or dgrow39, I should say. Um, you can reach out, dgrogans39 at gmail.com uh, via email. If anybody's interested in getting more information on training or Facebook, just search my name, Devin Grogans. Yeah. Last question for you. How big of a roster do you currently have? How many more people can you take? So let's say 100 people call you today. Like, What do you do? <laughs> create a, a weekly Zoom meeting? I mean, I, I'm just asking, how how much can you grow and scale what you're doing? So that's a great question um, and something I would definitely love to talk about when, when I come back because okay, I do have a few it. things in the works right now. One is planning a quarterly cohort um, for busy people. Uh, I do have a private Facebook group. I would love anybody that's interested in being a part of uh, to reach out and ask me about. Um, it's a free group. I basically just post a lot more helpful information in there than I post on Instagram and just keep it a little bit more intimate on asking people and helping yeah. people with their goals. But uh, as for now, my current roster is about 15 clients. Um, 
I try not to onboard more than four clients in a month. Anything beyond that, I usually push off to the next month just because I want to make sure that everybody's getting the absolute best of me. And I know that taking on more than four people in a month, it's just not possible. So um, usually four people in a month, I am actually in the process of putting together, like I said, a a quarterly cohort. So that would look like uh, six to 10 people. Uh, It's about an eight week course. And we touch on one call via Zoom each month, or excuse me, each week. And we basically discuss how to unpack stress, how to prioritize eating, and how to prioritize and fit uh, fitness into your already busy schedule. Yeah. Brother, I like it, man. I'll be reaching out. Sounds good. Yeah, I need the the accountability. We all do. Mm -hmm. We don't want to admit it. And it is scary. Because it means I have to change something. Yep. Everything I've done has got me to exactly where I'm at. And the only way to change is to do something different that I haven't done yet. Yeah, we never grow inside of our comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Well, cool. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on, Devin. Uh, thank you each week for everyone's listen. Thank you for being on today. It's been a great uh, session. And we'll have Devin back. I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. So thank you for the time each week. Uh, to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week.